Mindfulness Mode 164. I had the option of boxing this person in, which the way I used to think would have made me feel superior. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on today's Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Lankford. On Mindfulness Mode, we talk about how people from all walks of life have discovered mindfulness and how it's impacted their lives to help them become more calm, focused, and happy. Hey, Mindful Tribe, I hope you had a chance to hear Yellis Vase, our last guest on episode 163. He set out on a three-month trip, which turned into a three-year journey of self-discovery. For the past two days, I've been traveling to speaking engagements, driving for four hours each day. Today's guest has impacted my drive, literally. He's all about mindful driving, using your driving experience to practice mindfulness. Sit back, settle in, and if you're driving, stay alert. Thanks again for listening, Mindful Tribe. Enjoy. Okay, Mindful Tribe, I am really excited today. I've got Solon McLean on the line. Hey, Solon, are you in mindfulness mode? I am, and I'm always practicing to be. (laughs) That's good. Well, I'm really interested in the topic today, driving. And I'll tell you, Solon McLean helps people deal with the anxiety of everyday life, and especially the negative experiences that some of us encounter on the road. By discovering the truth Through present moment awareness, Solon has a great plan. He seeks to help the evolution of mankind and help others to become intelligent agents of the ever-advancing creation. So I really like that, Solon. Tell us, Solon, let's get started with what mindfulness really means to you. What's your definition? How do you think of it? Well, Bruce, I I know from uh, life experience that Uh, My mind, my thinking mind, or as some people call it, my egoic mind, is always working. It's always churning, and and Buddhists call it the monkey mind. Um, And I know for myself, at some point in my life, I started to identify with that thinking mind so much that I believed that I was my thinking mind. Right. And and through uh, mindfulness meditation and awareness of the present moment, I have come to discover for myself that that is not who I am, that I am my higher self. I'm a spiritual being having a human experience. And my intelligence or my thinking mind is a tool that I have to solve problems and survive. But it is not who I am. So for me, mindfulness is a state of consciousness where I am aware that I am, in fact, my higher self, that I am part of the connectedness of everything in the universe, and that my intellect is a tool that I have to use to make my life work in out in the world. Uh, and the more I am connected to that mindfulness or higher self, the more serene I am, the better decisions I make, the more clear-minded I am, compassionate, and just a better human being. And for myself, I have a better experience in life because of it. Well, that is really, really cool. Let's go right back to that comment you made, my intelligence is a tool I can use. So how do we do that? How do you do it? How do you take your intelligence and use it as a tool? Well, I know for me that what happens kind of naturally for me, and I think for most people, is we tend to focus a lot on what has happened in the past and what we are thinking about in the future. And we spend a lot of our our waking hours in the past or in the future projecting or remembering 
playing over scenarios in our minds. And a lot of that thought is wasted, things that will never come to be or things that are in the past that we can't change. When I connect with the current moment, when I bring myself completely into what is now, my mind clears, it becomes unmuddied and I have a connection. My intelligence is a problem solver. It's what I use to learn. I learn from experiences. I read things in books and, and make sense of them and am able to calculate and uh, connect the dots to make life work for me out in the world. What I don't wanna do is identify with the thinking process of past and future at the expense of the reality of living in the now. Well, that is really interesting. So it sounds like you've really done a ton of research and a lot of reading and you come to this conclusion. Now, when did you decide that you wanted to tie this in with driving, with cars? Yeah, this is actually kind of an interesting story because um, I had practiced uh, Zen meditation. I had practiced Vipassana meditation. I had practiced uh, Kripalu yoga, which is a meditation in motion. And I tried all these various types of meditation and, and they all worked for me if I had the time to sit or the time to go into the yoga studio or at home for an hour. Right. As my life became busier with children and a business, I had less and less time to be able to put together a meaningful practice. At about the same time, I started noticing in myself and in other people stories about being on the road and road rage stories, stories mm -hmm. about um, getting angry in your car at other drivers, having other drivers get angry at you. And I started to think, and I was the same way, and I experienced it myself on the road. I started to think, you know, it would be good if I could be a more mindful driver and a compassionate driver. I wonder how that would change my experience on the road. And so one day, uh, and I talk about this in my book, Learning to Drive into the Now, uh, one day I decided to give it an honest try. And it didn't take but about 15 minutes into my drive on the highway when I was in a position where somebody was being an aggressive driver and trying to get through traffic quickly. And I had the option of boxing this person in, which the way I used to think would have made me feel superior. Right. But I thought, you know, I'm going to I'm going to break the mold. I'm going to be a compassionate person. I don't know what this person's story is. My immediate thought is, well, what a jerk. But they could be taking a sick child to the hospital. They could be on their way to an emergency. Who knows what? Mm -hmm. So I decided to give them the benefit uh, of a break. And I backed off and I let them go by. And it made me feel good. And it made me actually laugh out loud because it was so unnatural for me to do that. Mm -hmm. But the compassion I felt made me want to do it more. And so I ended up um, tying this current moment awareness, mindfulness meditation to driving. And I started practicing it on my own. I started to develop a practice uh, by myself on my own. And I found out that it's a really good way to practice because I'm in my car probably 45 minutes to an hour a day. Mm -hmm. That's normally time that I would be either on the cell phone, listening to the news, eating, you know, fast food, drinking coffee, whatever, and most likely spending a lot of time in my own head thinking about the past, thinking about the future, experiencing the anxieties that come along with that kind of thought. And I could better put my time towards fostering this, this mindfulness, this meditation. So that was my intention, that every time I got into my car, I was going to have the radio off, have no food, silence my cell phone, and in silence, drive my car and be 100% in the moment. Listen to the sounds of the road, 
look around and see the horizon and notice things around me, feel the wheel in my hands, feel my feet on the floor of the car and the accelerator, all the things that go along with mindfulness. And so do people ever say to you, Solon, oh, be getting yourself into a meditative state, that can't be a good mix with driving because maybe you won't be as aware of the dangers and what is actually happening on the road. Yeah, that's a that's a good question because a lot of people have this preconceived notion about meditation that it's a relaxing meditation where you're sitting in a quiet space with maybe some incense on a comfortable cushion, not sure. moving with your eyes half closed. That is not what this is. This is a insight meditation or vipassana meditation where you you the idea is to bring your awareness so much into the current moment that you're even more aware than you usually are and i think uh, for myself and i think a lot of people i've had experiences before where i i drive on autopilot i might even drive past my exit uh, i might pull into my parking spot at my office and not even remember driving to work because i've been so involved with thoughts in my head and what this type of meditation does was it, it connects you with the current moment so much that you're actually more aware of traffic. You're more aware of your speed that you're driving. You're more aware of the cars around you because that's what you're focusing on. You're focusing on exactly what's happening in the now. So that's kind of a – I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people have said that, that, geez, I, I don't know, meditating in a car, that seems kind of dangerous. But but actually, you're even more aware of the, of the traffic around you. Right. Okay, Solon, well, I want to ask you this. What's your thought process if suddenly you find you are being boxed in by another driver? That's That's another good thing too because what I used to do, my old pattern, was to react – and um, if somebody is being aggressive and there's a lot of aggressive drivers on the road, my feeling is the best thing to do is back off and let them have what they want. Because, you know, driving is a funny thing. It only works if we all cooperate. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if, if uh, people decide not to cooperate and, you know, don't obey traffic signals or whatever, the whole thing just turns into a mess. So it's the whole thing of driving is based on cooperation. There are drivers out there who are more competitive. They want to compete rather than uh, work with everyone else. And, and I, you know, that's a part of life. I mean, there are people out there like that. So my thing is back off. Uh, let them have their way. You're better off getting as far away from them as you can. So I don't compete with them in any way. I basically let them do their thing and I do my thing. Well, that's smart. So how long ago did you start doing this? When did this change for you? This whole idea of um, driving meditation and being a more compassionate driver started for me about a year and a half ago. Mm. And over the course of that time, when I was developing my own program and experimenting with uh, different approaches, at some point during that, when I was having success with it personally, I thought this would be a really good idea to let other people uh, know that this works. And I had the idea for putting this in a book. And so I started, uh, I started taking some voice notes and some other notes and, and putting together the outline for what I thought would be a way to explain a simple practice for current moment awareness meditation while driving. And that the end result was the book that I've um, published, uh, Learning to Drive into the Now. Excellent. Now, is this your first book, Solon? This is my first book. I've written uh, screenplays before, and personally for uh, work, I, I write a lot of video scripts for corporations for um, training and marketing. So I've been writing my whole life, but this is 
uh, my first uh, writing project in the self-help or spiritual realm. And it really came naturally to me. And, it, you know, it isn't like this was a this wasn't a big uh, chore for me. This was a, it's a labor of love. I, I loved writing down these ideas that worked just because I wanted to be able to share them with people. If I can help make somebody else's driving and life a few percentage points better, then that makes me feel really good about what I've done. Well, that's great. And, and I'm sure that you've done that with hundreds and thousands of drivers. I want to ask you this. What if I totally grasp this and I think this is amazing, but maybe I have a friend that I often ride with and that person is pretty much the opposite. How would I kind of gently start to get the idea across without sounding like I'm trying to tell them how to drive? Well, um, you know, I write about this in the book. There's there's a chapter on um, sharing this. And, and you know, one thing about something that is this personal and a little esoteric is if somebody is not receptive to it, you're kind of wasting your time. Yeah. Um, so what I try to do is, is lead by example. In other words, I don't say, you know what you should do. Right. I say, here's what I do. And these are, these are the results I get. Uh, and let them draw their own conclusions. And if they're interested, you know, they'll they'll ask questions or they'll, or they'll, they'll buy the book and maybe try to develop their own practice. But I know from experience, you really can't convince people. It just doesn't work that way. Well, I haven't read your book and I'm looking forward to doing that. But I want to ask you, are there any tests or research or anything that, for example, might say that you actually have lower lower blood pressure when you practice this or some of these ideas? Yeah, these are um, long-held scientific research facts. And I, I did a lot of research on this before I wrote the book. And these pertain to all types of meditation, really, that um, your digestion slows down and becomes improved, your blood pressure lowers, you're less nervous. And, you know, a big part of um, a big part of this driving meditation program, I'd like to actually kind of outline really quickly right now, one of the reminders I have in the book, and it's also in the t title of the book, is Learning to Drive into the Now, P-R-N-D. And the P-R-N-D is a reminder when you're, when you're driving every day. When, where that comes from is if you look on your dashboard or your gear shift, there's park, reverse, neutral, drive, P-R-N-D. What I've done is I've borrowed that P-R-N-D, which is always in front of your face when you're driving, and repurposed those letters. So P is set your intention to practice. So before you get into your car or as you get to your car, you say to yourself, ah, that's right, I'm driving, but I'm gonna practice. I'm gonna practice mindfulness meditation when I drive today. That's my intention. The R, which is normally reverse, is to relax. So you relax your body. For me, when I drive, most of my tension centers in my neck and shoulders. So I always have to be aware to kind of let that go. And sometimes that might take a deep breath and then letting your muscles go. Or uh, it might take in your hands, for instance, clenching them tightly, then, then letting them go. So you, you become aware of the tension, then you let it go. But basically, it's about relaxing your body. It's very hard to be mindful when your body is not relaxed. Right. Uh, the N, which is usually neutral on your gear shift, is, is now. And that's a capital N-O-W. That's bring your attention into the now. So you get in your car with your intention, you relax your body. And then you focus on what is right in front of you. If it's the horizon, the sounds of the road, you know, the smell inside your car, the temperature of the air, your breathing, anything that's happening right now, you kind of keep your attention there with the main focus being on the task of driving. So 
the traffic, the road, the weather, the feel of the wheel, you know, you moving, your speed, all those things that are happening in the current moment, become aware of those and keep your thoughts on that. And, and as you practice, and the reason it's called practice is because you're going to find that your attention starts to go away from there. It's going to go to, boy, I've got to stop on the way home tonight at the store and buy coffee. Or, oh, I got into an argument with my boss at work yesterday. I hope we can work things out, blah, blah, blah. So what happens is you're, you become aware of the fact that your mind has lost its awareness of the current moment and you're back inside your own, your own head, your own thoughts. Then you gently bring your attention back to the current moment, back into the now. And that's where the practice part of this comes in. The more you do this, the more you fall away, catch yourself and come back to the current moment, the easier it gets. And the more you become aware of when you're not in the current moment. The last letter in the gear shift is D for drive. And that actually is not repurposed. It is drive. So you're going to PRND. You're going to set your intention to practice, relax your body and mind, bring yourself into the now and then drive with your focus being on the current moment driving. Now there are in most cars, there's other gear shifts. There's L for low speeds and there's S sometimes for sport speed. And those basically every purpose for the same, with the, with the same, same basic definition, but different words. L is for let go and S is for surrender. And that's just let go and surrender of your uh, egoic mind, your thought patterns that keep you away from living in the current moment, from being, you know, from being in the reality of what is happening right now. So that little PRND reminder is always in front of you when you drive. So if all else fails, I look at that, I refocus on what I'm supposed to be doing for my practice, and it always helps. Well, a friend of mine put something on Facebook that was connected to driving, and I want to ask you about this. What if something happens when you're driving that like totally surprises you, totally shocks you? Does this help you deal with that? And I'll tell you what he put on Facebook. He was driving along in his car on the freeway, and suddenly a mouse crawled out of his uh, defrost on the dash. So the mouse must have been down inside, and it crawled out on the dash, and suddenly he's sitting there looking at this mouse and that mouse actually jumped on him and <laughs> he luckily he wasn't totally afraid of mice or anything so he was fine but can mindfulness help you with something like that while you're driving that would totally shock you absolutely um you know one of the things i talk about in the book is to expect the unexpected and when i talk about it in the book i'm mainly referring to the route that you're driving or other drivers around you or a deer jumping out in the road. The thing of a mouse in your car is a little more up close and personal, mm -hmm. but you know, a lot of people will say, you know, a mouse jumped on me when I was driving. Thank God I had the presence of mind to pull over, get out of the car before I swerved and hit somebody else. And before I slammed on the brakes, I had the presence of mind to keep it together, slow my car down, put on my turn signal, pull to the side of the road and get out. And I think that presence of mind that people talk about is, is uh, much more easily accessible when you are in the current moment, when you have a certain amount of mindfulness already. For me, if I was completely distracted by listening to loud music, drinking a coffee with my phone buzzing and thinking about what's going to happen on my vacation two weeks from now and a mouse jumped out, I would be totally shocked. Mm -hmm. I, I would be, it would take me out of everything that was going on around me and bring me into this panic situation. If I was practicing mindfulness while driving, 
the mouse might just be another part of my environment. I might look and go, wow, a mouse. You don't see that every day in the car. <laughs> but have that presence of mind to not freak out uh, because I'm already in the now. You know, the other way I was talking about with that other state of mind is you're not in the now at all. And all of a sudden you're forced snap back into the now with this, for some people, terrifying thing going on. So in that way, yeah, I think I think it lessens the immediate fear. A lot of uh, reason that people are locked into that mindset of past and future thinking all the time, planning for eventual things and remembering the past and what's good or bad. A lot of that is based in fear. You know, Um, so present moment awareness can really help with people who have anxiety or fear, because a lot of that is is in your mind. It's basically all in your mind. And and people tend to uh, chew on it like a dog chewing on a bone. They go over it and over it and over it. Mm -hmm. And it does. It kind of snowballs, creates more fear, more anxiety and more self-doubt. So to escape that uh, with mindfulness can be a really nice way to to change the situation for yourself. Right. Well, you know what? I think we've reached really epidemic proportions with the amount of texting that goes on when when people are driving or checking their email, checking their phone. My question is, are there any state or governments that have approached you and said, hey, look, we want to embrace this. We want to really help use this to teach our, our residents how to be better drivers and not be into texting. Uh, no one has approached me yet, but I, I could see a situation where that could be valuable. And, you know, the thing about a driving meditation is, is it's not that people don't like driving. Mm-hmm. It's, it's that driving is a lot like breathing in that your breathing can either be controlled by you consciously or controlled unconsciously. So as you go throughout your day doing things, you don't think about breathing in and out. But if you want to, you can focus on breathing in and out and you can change your breathing patterns. You can slow them down. And that's part of a normal sitting meditation. People do that. And it works quite well. It's a good bridge between the unconscious and the conscious mind. And it's the same thing for me. I drew that parallel with driving is that I can jump in my car with the intention of going to the store and drive on autopilot. I'm not thinking about, you know, the slow moves that your wheel makes as you would make slight adjustments when you're driving. The wheel is almost constantly jogging a few degrees left or right. No one thinks about that. That's an automatic. uh, People do that automatically. Same thing with braking and accelerating. It's kind of an automatic thing. You don't really think about it consciously. You just do it like riding a bike. Uh, But you have the option of taking that back into your conscious mind. And that's part of what the driving meditation is about, is you're taking that back into your conscious mind, just like breathing is used for meditation. Driving can be used in the same way. So you're making that at the forefront of your conscious mind. You're recognizing that is happening in the now. And what happens is instead of people looking for a distraction while they drive, which is what texting is, a distraction, listening to music, people even watch videos. I've seen people read while they're driving. Mm. And these are all distractions because people feel, you know, driving is boring. You know, I've driven to work every day for for 10 years, it's boring. I'm gonna distract myself with something more interesting. What I think people find and what I found is that by bringing my attention back to the simple mundane task of driving, it's become exciting again. And it has become a, a revelation. And it's become a part of my meditative practice that offers me more freedom in my life. It eliminates a lot of anxiety. It eliminates self-doubt. It makes me a more compassionate person. There's so many positives to it that it makes you feel good. And, And the big thing is when you get out of your car. So 
if I've driven to work and it's taken me 15 minutes and I've used that 15 minutes that I would normally use distracting myself, but I've used it to practice mindful driving meditation. When I get out of my car, I bring that with me. So instead of walking to the office, you know, bored or in a bad mood, I walk in and I'm clear. I feel full of energy, all the positives that come from meditation. I have all that. And I bring that out into the world. And that's probably the most important thing. That's how it changes your life. Wow, that's that's incredible that it really can change your life. And I know I've worked in bullying prevention for a long time. And I'm wondering, Solon, if you have a story, it could be, I don't know, something to do with bullying and driving, or maybe it has nothing to do with driving. But I just find that mindfulness can really um, help anyone who is experiencing bullying anywhere. Do you have a story yeah. about this? Well, sure. I mean, I've got experiences myself. I mean, um, you know, to me... Uh, bullying, if you're the victim, is mm -hmm. all about fear. You know, when you're bullied by someone, you fear retaliating or reacting or standing up to them because you feel something worse might happen. So although you're being picked on, you're more afraid of standing up and getting punched in the face or whatever. Yes. Um, and what I found for myself, you know, as a grown adult, you know, when you're a kid in school, you know, I think bullying to some degree happens to most people you know, in varying degrees, some severe, uh, you know, and some a little bit. But what I found for myself is that sometimes I'm my own worst bully. And, and the way that works for me is my my egoic mind that that's all based on fear, too. You know, and I don't know sometimes what I'm even afraid of, but uh, it's those reactive patterns that we have that are fear based. And so what I found for myself was that that egoic mind that makes me think about the future and, and sometimes paints a terrible picture of what's going to happen, the worst possible scenario, or sometimes paints a grandiose picture of this amazing future, you know, is going to happen out of nowhere. Those kinds of things are all based for me on fear. Uh, fear of the future, fear of not being good enough, fear of insecurities and things like that. And when I bring my attention back into the current moment and I practice mindfulness in my life, there's just no room for that. It just doesn't exist. And what I've noticed is, and, and I'm sure people notice this with the bullying thing too, is that bullying, the that type of energy has its strength in fear. The fear only exists in my egoic mind. It doesn't exist in reality. It's something that I've constructed, not probably through my own fault and not because I wanted to, but that's just the way my mind patterns work. But when I remove that type of thinking and bring my attention into the current moment, that loses its energy and kind of collapses on itself. That allows me, that allows me just that little bit of space where I can maybe put some plan into action for either standing up for myself, offering myself some type of protection, something where I can think with a relatively calm mind and come from a more spiritual perspective than that fear-based uh, egoic thinking. Right. That makes sense. So Solon, are there any ways that you can apply what you learn by meditating in your car to other places in your life? Yeah, that's really the key to this whole thing. Um, if it was only in your car, you'd be a more compassionate and calmer and more serene driver. And that would be a plus in itself. But the real uh, treasure to this thing is is changing the way that you are everywhere. 
So when you leave the car, which I always consider your laboratory, that's your practice place, your, your meditation space, that's where you can learn, uh, learn these things. And, and you don't learn them um, in an intellectual level so much. It's more of an experiential level. So you learn them in your gut and, and they're very real and they're very visceral. And, and you know, you get that, that real dose of reality about yourself and who you really are. And it's a good thing. You know, it's not a bad thing. It's a very positive thing when you when you discover this. So as you get out of the car, um, you know, when you get in the car, your intention is to practice. When you get out of the car, your intention is to take your practice with you. Uh, and I've done this myself. Um, I remember one time and I talk about this in the book, uh, practicing meditation on the way to the supermarket. And I got there and I got out of the car and my intention was even though I was getting out of the car that I was going to keep, I was going to stay mindful. I was going to practice as I walked. Mm -hmm. And uh, in, in Zen Buddhism and Zen meditation, there's a practice called Kinhin, which is a walking meditation um, that I've done before. And so I used that. I started walking to uh, the store from my parking spot, um, being very mindful of my steps and the feeling of my feet, uh, you know, on the ground. And, and then I stopped at the, um, at the cart corral and I grabbed a cart to bring into the store, something I wouldn't normally do. But I'm thinking, hey, this is good for everyone. I'll bring a cart back in. I'm gonna use one anyway. And, I, and it made me feel good. And then I got into the store um, and instead of rushing through everything, I took my time and I became very aware of the vegetables, the other shoppers, the music, things I normally wouldn't even notice or be aware of. It made my experience so much more connected and full um, but it kind of became amusing to me. I was like, wow, I've missed this reality. This is reality. The only reality I will ever know is the current moment. And I've missed so much of it, you know, with, with my thoughts and my fears and my projections, um, that it feels really good to be right here right now and recognize that this is the reality of my life. I'm going to take it all in. Wow. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. And, and you, you know, as you do that over time, that's why it's called a practice. It permeates its way into your life and into your thinking and into your being. And, and I've seen people that when I started a year ago, they say, boy, you seem so calm now. You know, what is that? And I, you know, I'm just saying, well, yeah, I've been practicing some meditation and I do feel more calm. I'm less apt to, um, you know, have these emotional swings. I'm more centered, uh, more connected. And, and it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Oh yeah, it really is. I I totally agree. I've been meditating for a long time, and it's it's made a huge difference. And so, you know, speaking of the grocery store, I have to admit that often when I'm in the grocery store, I'm in a hurry. I'm in a rush. I'm on my way home, and so I really like what you're laying out for us. You know, just look at it differently. Yeah, frame and it you know, differently. and you know where this really came into sharp focus for me was I had to wait in line. Um, at the Department of Motor Vehicles. Everyone right. dreads that. <laughs> yes. and, I, and I went in and I saw the line and my immediate first reaction to that was, oh, you've got to be kidding me. So the wait was only about a half an hour, which isn't incredibly long for that. But I could have spent that half hour stewing mm -hmm. in line and looking ahead and shaking my head and thinking they should hire more people. This is ridiculous. I'm paying taxes for this. But instead, I stood in line and I decided to practice. Um, and it changed my experience profoundly. I, I felt relaxed. I realized that line, waiting in line is a part of life, you know, and everyone else was doing the same thing I was doing, but I wasn't going to let it ruin my day. In fact, I was going to use it as an opportunity to improve my day. And I did. And it worked perfectly. 
Solon, my next questions are part of the multi-mode round. Just short 30-second answers are perfect. Here's the first one. Who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness practice? Of course, uh, the Buddha uh, yeah. <laughs> is the person I would think of the most, yeah. um, and, and not so much a person, but just as the influences of Eastern thought uh, have really influenced the way that I think about mindfulness probably most. But another one is Eckhart Tolle and also Ram Das. I've read a lot of stuff from both of them, and they have excellent books on these subjects. For sure. How has mindfulness affected your emotions? For me, it's it's allowed me to recognize my emotions for what they are and not let them take me over. In the past, uh, if I became emotional about something, it kind of fed on itself and it would snowball. Now I'm able to take a step back, bring my attention back into the now, reconnect with my higher self and examine them without all the baggage and all the self-doubt and fear that can come with them. Right. Tell us how breathing is a part of your mindfulness. You already talked about it, but talk a little more about it just to kind of sum it up. Well, I talk about breathing being a bridge between the conscious and the unconscious mind. And as people have recognized that for centuries, even ancient India, in, over in ancient India, they used to use that a lot. And, and when you first get into meditation, beginning meditation, they always start with your breathing. Your breathing is a good reflection of your mental state. And as a reflection of your mental state, it can also be a good tool to use to change your mental state. So that slow, deep, diaphragmatic breathing can change the way that your body works and it can change the way that your mind works. If you could recommend a book on mindfulness, what would that be? Well, I would have to start out with Learning to Drive into the Now, PRND, which is my book. But if I could recommend any other book, I would say probably Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now Mm. is an excellent book. It's a book that I had to go back and read two or three times to get everything I think I wanted to get out of it and then refer back to certain chapters and certain paragraphs. But he is a guy that really, through his experiences, is really able to lay it out in plain language without muddying the waters with a lot of esoteric and or dogmatic type uh, language. Yeah, he sure can. Can you share an app which helps you to be more mindful? So I'll go on to Twitter and I'm a member of, um, or I'm following a lot of people who are in the mindfulness realm. Mm-hmm. And Twitter being 144 characters, there's very short one-liner or two-liner mindful phrases mm-hmm. that are great. If you want to just open up Twitter and go to uh, some of those Twitter Twitter users, you'll find some great little reminders about what you should be doing to, to be a mindful person. Well, you know, this has been really interesting, and I'll put all of this in the, our show notes, including the, the name of your book and everything, and it's, it's, I think, really valuable. I think this is incredibly valuable to understand that mindfulness can be done anywhere and that driving is a perfect place to apply it. How can Mindful Tribe connect with you, learn more about what you do, Solon? Uh, the best place to find me is at uh, www.solanmclean, S-O-L-A-N-M-C-C-L-E-A-N, solanmclean.com. And I've got a blog on there, which you can RSS feed. I'm also on Twitter at Solon McLean. I'm on all social media, Facebook and Pinterest and Tumblr and all those. But, but my website is really a great place, and there's always new things on there. Super. Well, we'll check it out. Thanks so much for joining us today, Solon. Well, thank you, Bruce. It was was great to talk with you. Right. All the best to you. Bye now. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.